You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. This is the focus of the Jesus stories. How much more should this be our focus if we claim these stories are at the core of our religious tradition? The liberation in these stories applies to what people are going through right now, here, in the present unjust system. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery. This is episode 354, and our title this week is The Concrete Liberation Narratives of Advent, Part 3. In Luke's Gospel, Luke 2.12, we read, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This Christmas... Many are enduring hardship because of the the political, once again, the political elite have mishandled the COVID-19 pandemic. The economic recovery that that some have touted is, again, a a K-shaped recovery where, where the wealthy have gotten even wealthier and both the working class and those who live below the poverty line um, have just seen their lives get get worse. Even this week's decision by Congress to give every person $600, that $600 is not going to do uh, very much for, it's better than nothing, but it's not going to do very much for those that are are uh, basically just barely surviving or not even surviving right now. In this context, Mary's Magnificat in Luke's birth narrative gives us a lot to ponder, especially the phrase, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. Listen to that this week in its political context. As we said in part two, these narratives in Matthew and Luke, they're not filled with the theme of another world or an afterlife. Instead, they present another iteration of this world. They're concerned with the the concrete experience of of those being exploited and and fighting for their economic survival in this life here and now. They're not about salvation as individual or spiritual, but again, as concrete liberation from social, political, and economic realities that, that seek to crush the people. Luke's entire gospel repeatedly contrasts the common people or the peasantry with the ruling elite in the society of Luke's intended audience. You can find this in Luke 6, 20-26, Luke 4, 18-19. Our, our communities today, we're divided along social, political, and economic lines too. Uh, during this pandemic, many of the haves have gained even more, while the little bit that those without had has either been taken away or, or been barely enough. And, and what do these stories say for our lives today? Can they speak to us of another kind of world that's possible here and now. In Matthew, the Magi are the key characters. Luke gives us the shepherds. You can find that in Luke 2, verse 8. In interpreting these shepherds in Luke's story, Horsley writes in The Liberation of Christmas, the infancy narratives, and social context, the shepherds of Luke 2 should not be 
over-interpreted, whether in the older fashion as symbols of some idyllic pastoral life or in the more recent mode as representatives of the despised and ostracized in Jewish society. Shepherds were simply part of the peasantry in ancient Palestine, a Palestinian society. Peasants almost by definition were poor and dwellers were lowly in status. Shepherds, while not despised by the people, were apparently some of the lowliest of the lowly. Page 106. Luke's birth narratives are centered in the social location of the common people rather than that of of the elite of his day. Even John the Baptist's parents are common priests living in Judea and associated with with the common people. They're they're not the high priests that are connected with the other rulers in Jerusalem. Luke's birth narratives place Jesus among and in solidarity with the hopes of the common peasantry of that time. This association of Jesus with the hopes of those that are scratching and clawing for their survival, it helps us better understand the focus of these three poems we're going to be looking at in Luke. And the first one is the Magnificat. It's in, in Luke 1, 46 through 55. Then we'll look at, at Zacharias the Benedictus in Luke 1, 68 through 79. And then we'll look at uh, Simeon's in Luke 2, 29 through 32. So, so let's take a, a very brief look for the sake of time at each. Let's first look at Mary's. In Luke 1, 46 through 55, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their throne, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, remember, this is not a a pious prayer of a saint, but a revolutionary song of, of, of concrete liberation. It stands in the tradition of the social political Hebrew victory songs within the Jewish tradition. Songs like Mary's were were sung by Miriam in Exodus 15, by Deborah in Judges 5, Judith in Judges 6. And, and, and their form is very close to other Jewish hymns from the, the late Second Temple era, like the Psalm of First Maccabees or Judith or Second Baruch or Fourth Ezra, the Psalm of Solomon. And I'll put some, some references to the War Scroll. I'll put some references to these in this week's Esite. But the themes of Mary's song are also not solely spiritual. They're deeply rooted in a subversively social and economic and political thread. The the Magnificat is about God's revolutionary overthrow of the established governing authorities on behalf of the peasantry of Israel. Consider these examples, again, of concrete 
uh, political usage of Mary's same language. In Zephaniah 3.17, says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. That, that, that was not a, a spiritual application. That was a, a real life in concrete application. In Psalms 89.13, Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand is exalted. Uh, Psalms 89.10, You crushed Rahab, and that's another word for Egypt, or the mythical uh, sea beast, like one of the slain with your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, 21, he is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders that you saw with your own eyes. You can cross-reference this with Psalms, the entire chapter of Psalms 105 and the entire chapter of Psalms 111. But, but this one here in Deuteronomy is referring to the concrete liberation uh, from Egyptian slavery and Egyptian bondage. So Mary's song, it evokes that ancient memory of God's great acts of liberation, like the exodus from Egypt, the Hebrew pro- prophets' promises of, of liberation and renewal and res- restoration, and even the, the some of that language harkens back to deliverance from the Canaanites and Philistines in the book of Judges, and to the, the humble state of his servant, it doesn't refer solely to Mary, but to the entire community of peasants in Israel. This language is used in Deuteronomy and Psalms to describe a, a condition of being dominant dominated, oppressed, and afflicted. It doesn't refer to an individual's spiritual humility, the humble state of one's servant. It doesn't refer to some spiritual or religious quality of humility. It's referring to the concrete social and economical, the political conditions of all the people God's servant. As, as a group. In Deuteronomy 26, 7, it says, Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice, saw our misery, toil, and oppression. In Psalms 136, 23, it says, He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever. The humble state of one's servant is more about one's social location, not an inward attitude. And the proud who who God scatters, it could have referred to oppressive domestic rulers like Herod or or the four high priestly families, the, the, the high priestly class, or to, to foreign oppressors even, to the Romans themselves. We see this kind of language used examples of this use of this language in the Song of Solomon, and I'll put references to that in this week's uh, Esite too. This is a song about political liberation of a people with actual political enemies, and just as the the same kinds of liberation songs in previous generations referred to, to bondage in Egypt, the rescue from Canaanite kings, or deliverance from the Philistines, the lowly in each instance means those who have suffered exploitation, oppression, and subjugation from the wealthy and the powerful ruling groups and and the systems of injustice that they were responsible for. Luke's song of, of social, political, and economic deliverance for the poor, the marginalized, and the peasants, it announces that a new social order of justice 
and abundance, specifically distributive justice, uh, as well as surviving and thriving, is is possible. We're going to read briefly through the next two, and I'm going to give you some references for you to look up uh, on your own this week. We're not going to take, for the sake of time, we're not going to take the time here to read each passage, uh, but I'll give you references to look up within this passage. I want you to to read through the other two songs in Luke's birth narratives and and then look up the references of they're, they're examples of how the political language is used in Luke and how it had been politically used in other passages of the Hebrew scriptures as well. But we'll start with uh, uh, again, this is the words of Zechariah, Zechariah's poem there in in uh, Luke, uh, chapter uh, one, oh, sorry, Luke 2, 29 through 32. It says, uh, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited his people and redeemed them. Now, this theme of visitation and redemption, you can find that in Exodus 4, 31, Ruth 1, 6, Psalms 80, 14, Psalms 106, 4, and Psalms 111, 5 through 6, verse 9. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. David. You can find examples of this language in Psalms 18:2, Ezekiel 29:21, 1 Samuel 2 verse 10, Psalms 132:17, Judges 2:16 and 18 and Judges 3:19 and 15. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days and you my child will be called a prophet of the most high for you will go on before the lord to prepare the way before him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins and again i know that phrase Forgiveness of their sins has been Christianized. You can find uh, a liberation use of it in Jeremiah 31, 34 and chapter 33, verse 8. Because of the tender mercies of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death. You can find uh, this this language in Isaiah 9, verse 2 and Psalms 107, 9 through 10, and to guide our feet into the path of peace. Uh, Again, this is Luke 1, 68 through 79, and I want to encourage you to go back and, and read those references along with this passage and see if you can't see uh, the social, economic, political use, strong use in, in, in these passages. And the last one are the words of Simeon. This is Luke 2, 29 through 32. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for mine eyes have seen your salvation, uh, for which you prepared in the sight of all nations for a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Again, the politicalness of this language is in Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12, and the glory of your people Israel. Now, right after this last poem, Simeon blesses Mary and 
and Joseph and, and says that their child is for the falling and rising of many in Israel. Now that's that's a, a, a in my mind that is a very um, unique or kind of different way of saying it. Not rising and falling, which is the way we would say it, but the order here is reversed: a falling and rising. This statement it it harks back to to Mary's song of some being uh, pulled down while others are being lifted up, and it looks forward to the economic teachings of Jesus where. The poor will be blessed, will be raised, while uh, while the well-fed or the, the 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 wealthy will go hungry. You can find this in Luke six. It's about removing the inequities that are in society. So many uh, are suffering hardship right now in the U.S. And these stories uh, of the birth of Jesus, they aren't distractions from that suffering. They don't, they don't turn our focus to postmortem bliss or internalize uh, uh, our focus to private and personal piety. Instead, they, they speak... Uh, of hope and, and deliverance from the very tangible economic, social, and political realities that people are suffering through <clears throat> today. This is the focus of the Jesus stories. How much more should this be our focus if we claim these stories are at the core of our religious tradition? The liberation in these stories applies to what people are going through right now, here, in the present unjust system. And this pandemic, it continues to reveal how disproportionately unjust our systems are for so many. The, the songs of liberation, again, they speak of political, economic, social, and even religious conflict, and then of deliverance. Uh, deliverance into God's just future, God's just future breaking into our, our suffering today. And that just future is rooted in the teachings of, of this baby found by the shepherds wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And we have to ask as Jesus followers today whether we'll choose this focus as well. Heart group application we at Renewed Heart Ministries, especially during this holiday season, are still asking all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Uh, you can meet virtually, uh, but when you go out, remember uh, to wear your mask, uh, practice your, your social distancing, uh, uh, continue to, 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 to do everything you can to stop the spread of this virus till the vaccine can be uh, acquired by, by all who will take it. This is also a time, remember, especially during the holidays, where we can practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid that's found in the Gospels and make sure that others in your group have what they need during this time. This is a time to, to prioritize those who are most vulnerable among us. Number one this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, share something that speaks to you either uh, in Matthew or, or, or Luke's birth narratives that, that speak to you of, of concrete liberation today. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us this week, wherever you are. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, 
keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. There won't be a podcast next week due to uh, New Year's Eve, so I will see you next year.